Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. We are offering three separate conversations from Wednesday night's episode, Novel Approaches to Drug-Free Treatment of Early Fatty Liver Disease. This podcast is sponsored by Echosense to support liver healthy, a fully integrated program designed to optimize lifestyle modification efficacy in obesity and NASH patients. This conversation explores some of the public health issues related to motivation. Global Liver Institute President and CEO Donna Cryer discusses policy issues and needs she considers pivotal, while Louise Campbell discusses the reasons she left the UK National Health Service to form Taoism Health. These are important questions and powerful approaches, particularly in the period before we have in-market NASH drugs that are as good as our diagnostics. Sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. week, a global community of fatty liver disease stakeholders comes together to explore the most important challenges in diagnosing, treating, and developing medications for patients with fatty liver diseases. Join hepatology researcher and key opinion leader Dr. Stephen Harrison, liver wellness advocate Louise Campbell, pricing and forecasting guru Roger Green, and this week's guest, Global Liver Institute President and CEO Donna Cryer, as they discuss how to help patients become healthier and why different approaches succeed or fail on the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. Listening to you and and thinking about Roger's question about whom would these data resonate, I think liver health is public health. And what you've just discussed reinforces that point. And so my mind first went to recess and childhood activity and, and structures to support that. Now we need to get people, we need to get kids back into school for them to be a recess, I I recognize. But the fact that, you know, in the before times, recess had been cut, at least in the United States, in in many locations. And so the amount of activity that children were getting in the course of their day was so low that that contributed to that. And then the second part of that are, are structures around school lunches and federally supported food policy, whether through the Department of Agriculture or others. And so I think we're we're rightly turning this conversation from the individual and family support and and decisions, which are important, of course. But how can we set up the structure of the environment and ecosystem to be pro-healthy food, pro-movement, so that people have a better chance of being successful. And so it's not so much dependent on whether they are educated as to their optimal percentage of macros, but we make it easy for people to do the healthy thing. Roger mentioned atomic habits. You know, one of my favorite books has always been Nudge about uh, structuring whether the placement of apples in in school cafeterias or or other things to make healthy foods the easier, more intuitive choice to make. So I think we need to do a better job in terms of the public health structure and policy structure and environment that even does control some of the, the, you know, the advertising and the messages that people are giving. But I, I think education only takes you so far. We need to make it easy to take action. I completely agree from a 30,000 foot view approaching this from, you know, a policy perspective is, is important. I can't speak from, from that, that angle of it. I, I can speak more from the individual patient perspective. And to me, it's all about 
you know, just following on that change mentality, that changing the identity. You know, I think for me, it's a circle. I The paradigm is you, I think I said this on one of the very first podcasts we have, you know, you know how many psychiatrists it takes to change a light bulb. And the answer is one, but the light bulb has to want to change. And Really, it's all about getting the patient to want the change. And for some people, that's scaring them, saying, look, I'm really concerned about your liver disease based on the compendium of data I have before me today, your fiber scan, your liver enzymes, your albumin, your INR, your PT, your risk factors, your family history, and it's time for a change. And helping them to realize that it's time for a change. And then it's positive feedback. And that's so critically important to me. I mean, I'm 52. I I love positive feedback, but it can go both ways, right? I belly up to a pack of Oreo cookies. I'm going to have a mental state that, you know, two weeks from now, I really remember those Oreo cookies tasting well or waffle fries from Chick-fil-A, you know, smell good, taste good, got to have them, bring it on. That, That mental image when you drive by Chick-fil-A is one that brings back these uh, your senses of how positive that was. So we have to create that on the lifestyle modification front. And that's how we motivate these people. And I think where we can provide positive feedback through showing them an image that they can put on the refrigerator and that they drop their CAP score, that they drop their KPA or their ALT is dropped or it's normalized is important. And then they get that from positive feedback, they you know, they get positive reflections. And what I mean by that is, how do you feel? How do you feel losing that weight? You have more energy, more stamina. How do you look? Do you like the way you look? Your clothes fit better. People comment in a more positive way when you walk by them or you have a conversation with them. And what that leads to is a persistence and a perseverance to continue those lifestyle changes. Look, there's only so many liver docs in the world. There's only only so many people that can get out there and advocate and coach, mentor, and lead these people. So first of all, what Louise and what Donna are doing are phenomenal because they're able to take that and leverage it and, and really get to the masses. Whereas a physician typically changes the world one patient at a time. And and like tomorrow, I have 15 people in clinic. I will be buried in clinic all day, and then I'll take three days to write the clinic notes. So I'm impacting those people, but it's not to the same level. And I think what we do is we impact these people, and then those people go out and share the good news, the great joy about how they were impacted, and we begin to spread it that way. But that that's kind of the way I reflect on getting a, a person to change, giving them positive feedback, reflecting on how they feel, and that maintains a persistent attitude towards change. That's interesting. Uh, let me try to pull some of this together, at least the way it's coming together in my mind. Everybody has to believe this is doable. If patients don't believe it's doable, it isn't going to happen. If their personal supports believe it isn't doable, they'll see that in the eyes of the people they look at and they will feel defeated. If doctors don't feel it's doable, they won't put in the time. If policy people don't think it's doable, they won't put in the money. They won't study the investment. So number one, I think everybody needs to believe this is an achievable goal. And then they will act in different ways. Um, I know, I think I'm probably the only person on this call who's had experience losing large amounts of weight. Um, but one of the things I remember when I started that I've paid for for the rest of my life is when I was just starting, I'd be in the gym and I'd be working out. I'd be telling myself what I was doing wasn't very impressive because I used to do a lot better when I was younger and thinner, blah, 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 blah. And someone who looked a lot better than me would come over and say, you know, that's great what you're doing. 
um, I used to look like that, now I look like this. And you can do it. I found that stuff very compelling. I now do that every time I'm in a gym if I see anybody who's trying to get into a regimen like that. To play forward the idea that positive experience is transferable. And yes, you can do it. Yes, you can make it work. So I, I think that's a common theme in all of this. Everybody has to believe it can be done and needs to be done, number one. Uh, the second thought I've got, Stephen, is stick around. When we stick around, I think, for the second half, uh, the, the last part of this, um, one of the things I think they will be talking about is technology as an enabler within the medical office to help uh, medical staff provide more support for the same number of patients. I think there's that model. We've talked on the show several times about Noom and programs like that, which are patient-centered, but they're software as a service, and they're all and they're app-based, and they're all technology-enabling. So it becomes an interesting question to me, to what degree can we take the powerful motivation that professionals can bring whether they're you or whether they're Louise, and use technology to get more bang for the buck and more people uh, benefiting from one spark of insight, one spark of passion, one spark of brilliance? It's an interesting question in the context of the extrasode that you're doing, because when I left healthcare, Tablets and Health was developed to do exactly that to help with that motivation. So in addition to the high quality clinical scanning that we do, it's lifestyle and wellness. We're making this accessible for everybody without a referral to have access to this information which motivates and changes behavior to prevent people becoming affected by NAFLD and NASH because they can manage their own lifestyle. So if you want to go on your new program, you can come and have your fiber scan before. We can then alter and actually show the benefits that you have achieved on any of these programs. And it was interesting that on Noon's release, their best-selling product is actually a four-month membership. We started talking at the beginning of the episode about changing people's entire lifestyles and that in a person. However, most people do short, sharp episodes of healthy lifestyle and then go back to previous lifestyle but can do short, sharp episodes. But actually, by being available to everybody, we can actually measure those. And I think I'd like to see that becoming the norm because most people do not make it through a hospital process to get to see the likes of Stephen or the physicians I've worked with or even the nurses that I've worked with to have these tests. I do think the key to that sustainability, and it's fascinating to think of four months as a short period of time, as I've been in the process, particularly this year, in a, in a more intentional way than others in, in creating some new habits. But I, I think that issue of identity that we talked about at the beginning, the I am, is really the key to long-term change. And maybe I'll do it as I am not. I am not a person who drinks sodas. They don't come in our house. It's not a decision that I make on a regular basis. I am not a person who drinks soda. It's not part of my identity. So, you know, I don't get the decision fatigue. It's not something that I'm worried about five months from now is going to change. And so I, I think that reset of identity is the shift that needs to be made and, and, and cultivated in, in people, something that they can live with and something that is authentic. I am a person who eats cookies, but I make it very hard to make them. I don't keep them in the house. There's there's some dough in the bottom drawer of the refrigerator. And if I want a cookie, I have to turn on the oven and make two cookies. But I think that reset of identity, I am now a person who Pelotons, somebody can be, you know, I am a person who walks the dogs every day. And, and I think that that reset of identity is really the key to sustainability. Choosing the bone broth as I did over the protein bar that has a lot of sugar in it, I've realized is a harder decision for all of the reasons that Stephen described about the wonderfulness of Chick-fil-A and other goodies. But that's where the why I'm making the changes comes in handy and helps me stick. So I think focusing on those sustainability points and that, that reset of identity and, and anchoring people from the beginning and in the plan that we set about. So again, you know, moving beyond just 
you know, what to do, but why are you doing it? And who's the type of person who does these things and, and, and visualizing yourself as that person and becoming that person is, is what all of these and, and the feedback loops showing yourself on the path to becoming that person and, and the you know, small successes, maybe it's not a change in weight, but change in lean body mass or, or, or something that uh, helps you go along the way is important to that sustainability. But we do need to build it to last from the beginning and we too often do not. I think that's a great point on which to start the close. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the contents of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We are releasing two more conversations from this episode. We'll release our next episode on Wednesday, March 10th, followed by daily coverage of NASHTAG all next weekend. We have included questions about our NASHTAG coverage on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. If you want to contribute, please go there and provide answers. I hope you'll join us for coverage. I hope you'll come on the discussion groups. Until then, stay safe, stay warm. See you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.